Cannabis Media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Weed Talk News. I'm Elena Pinto reporting for Pro Cannabis Media. And our top story this week, we look at the Lone Star State of Texas. And even though hemp is grown and accepted as a cash crop and Delta 8 is legal and available, cannabis possession is still illegal. That might change, though, in the Texas capital city of Austin in the fall. In a special election for ballot questions, 85% of the voters said yes to adding decriminalization to the ballot in the fall. When it comes to news about cannabis or hemp in that state, there's only one person who covers the progressive movement on a regular basis. His name is Russell Dowden, and he's got the Texas Hemp Report for Weed Talk News. Hi, this is Russell Dowden with the Texas Hemp Reporter and the Texas Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. On Saturday, Austin voters decided to pass Proposition A, stopping arrests for low-level marijuana offenses. The proposition passed with 85.5% of the vote. The proposition was created from a petition organized by Ground Game Texas. According to the organizers, most of those signing were Austin's younger adults. Now, this says something about the culture of cannabis in the city known for its weirdness. Since 2012, over 100 cities and counties such as Milwaukee, New Orleans, Philadelphia, and St. Louis, and over a dozen states, including Florida, Georgia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Texas, have enacted municipal laws or resolutions either fully or partially decriminalizing minor cannabis possession offenses. In 2020, Austin City Council voted to end police enforcement of low-level marijuana offenses through a resolution. This is Russell Dowden again with the Texas Hemp Reporter and the Texas Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. The newest state to welcome adult use sales in the United States is New Mexico. April was the first full month of sales there with $22 million of weed sold for adult use and $17 million for medical use. That's just under $40 million total. So welcome to the weed world, New Mexico. Now to one of the oldest cannabis markets, California. The adult use industry there continues to teeter on disaster thanks to the overregulations that accompanied the introduction of adult use sales in 2016. Christopher Smith from the American Cannabis Report has more in our California update. Greetings from the center of the cannabis universe. I'm Christopher Smith, publisher of the American Cannabis Report, and this is the California Roundup for We Talk News. Recently, California State Assembly member Bill Quirk introduced legislation that would amend California's Fair Employment and Housing Act by making it illegal for any employer to discriminate against adult applicants or employees based on a person's use of cannabis off the job and away from the workplace. The bill would also prevent discrimination against an applicant or employee who fails a drug test detecting non-psychoactive cannabis metabolites. Not all workers would be covered, however. The bill allows exceptions for federal employees, construction trade employees, or individuals with occupations that are required by federal or state law to be tested for controlled substances. Now, I've reported several times about how California, the world's largest cannabis marketplace by a long shot, could be even bigger except for short-sighted and greedy tax policies. For example, 
State and local taxes on legal cannabis are as high as $90 per ounce or $1,441 per pound. In Oregon, taxes average only $340 a pound, and in Colorado, they're $526 a pound. So, Oregon residents spend almost four times per capita on legal cannabis, and Coloradans spend more than three times as much. This is part of the reason why California's legal cannabis market is just one-third the size it was expected to be, based on the state population and adult use uh, adult usage rates, and nearly two-thirds of our cannabis sales are still taking place in the illicit market. It's ridiculous. A new study by Reason Foundation, Good Farmers, Great Neighbors, and Precision Advocacy has found that by simply eliminating the egregious cultivation tax, California could increase legal sales and bring in 123% more in total monthly tax revenue by 2024. Get this done. Now, I'm a little embarrassed to report that the greed of California officials extends onto the California highways, where sheriffs seem to think that their real life is like a movie script. Here's the setting. For various reasons we've discussed before, cannabis companies do not have easy access to banking and are forced to take their cash and transport it to safe places in armored vehicles. San Bernardino County Sheriff Shannon Dykus ordered armored vans to be stopped and robbed on three occasions, making off with $1.1 million in cash, the very definition of highway robbery. He immediately transferred the cash to the FBI, believing that his department would then automatically get 80% of the loot. But the company went straight to the courthouse and the press, and the U.S. Justice Department had no choice but to return the cash. The sheriff had the nerve to claim that his officers were not highway robbers. Dude, if they walk like robbers and rob like robbers, then you guys are robbers. And I should know, I'm Christopher Smith, the publisher of the American Cannabis Report, bringing you the real scoop on off-duty partaking, over-eager tax-taking, and highway robbery cash-taking for Weed Talk News. On to the big board for the publicly traded cannabis companies. First quarter reports were announced this week, and who better to keep us informed on it all? It's Green Market Reports' Deborah Borchardt. This is the business update for Weed Talk News from the Green Market Report. One story we've been following for you for months has been resolved. MedMen agreed to surrender its New York assets to Ascend Wellness after a long, nasty court battle. MedMen said it got an extra $15 million for those assets, but Ascend had originally agreed to buy 86% of the company. Now it's buying 99%, so I don't know how much they really squeezed out of that. Earnings season is in full swing. We had so many companies to report. We're just going to hit a couple right here. True Leave gave a truly astounding quarter. The company reported it had revenues of $318 million in the first quarter, and they said they're going to be able to do over a billion in sales in 2022. We also heard from Cureleaf and Acreage Holdings. Both of those companies saw their sales decline sequentially from the fourth quarter, but they both were able to get started in the New Jersey adult sales uh, this quarter, so expected that those numbers are going to improve dramatically. 
On the hydroponic side, Urbango, Hydrofarm, and Agrify all reported their sales this week. Sales were either flat or lower. However, all the hydroponic companies say that their market is going to recover by the end of the year. And finally, on a positive note, Green Thumb Industries showed that it was able to navigate headwinds of falling prices and high costs, and they reported revenue of $243 million in the first quarter. That's your business update. I'm Deborah Borchart from the Green Market Report. In Nevada, cannabis consumption lounges in Las Vegas are still scheduled to be open in the fall. However, don't expect to mix weed with alcohol. The Cannabis Control Board in the state set forth recommendations that are expected to be approved in committee in June. Needless to say, concerns about operating under the influence of alcohol remains an issue everywhere, and opening cannabis consumption lounges should only add to the concerns about operating under the influence of both substances. Law enforcement is working with the Cannabis Control Board on shaping the recommendations that include signage and educating servers about recognizing when a person has had too much weed. It seems that polysubstance use is an ongoing issue in Nevada. Here's Danny Baranowski. So when it comes to mixing alcohol and cannabis, there's really not enough data, not enough understanding. And I do think that, you know, as this is a completely new license type, really a completely new aspect of our industry. Everyone wants to make sure it's done carefully and it's done well. And so, you know, having fewer DUIs, um, making sure that, you know, our industry is moving forward in a positive way and that these things are not being intertwined. I think it's an important aspect to not have those two mixed together. And it seems like it could be an issue pretty much everywhere. Here's our Florida Cannabis Report with Heather Ullman. It's time for the weekly Florida Report from We Talk News. I'm Heather Ullman from Cannabis Law Report. As the landscape for cannabis in Florida is changing at warp speed, it's a good time to celebrate a program that started in 2019. The Florida Consortium for Medical Marijuana Clinical Outcomes Research focuses on conducting, sharing, and supporting research on the effects of medical cannabis for health conditions and symptoms. The consortium is housed at the University of Florida and has nine member Florida universities. Their medical marijuana clinical outcomes research is accomplished through five different pillars, and since its inception, the grants program has awarded 30 researchers a total of over $2 million for projects studying the acceptance of cannabis for palliative care, characterizing adverse drug event reports, and cannabis for acute and chronic pain. Specific conditions studied have included Crohn's disease, diabetes, and anxiety, which I think we can all relate to. The consortium also provides free resources, including a quarterly newsletter and an annual report. And coming up on May 19th through 20th, the Cannabis Clinical Outcomes Research Conference will be held in Orlando and is a valuable opportunity to exchange ideas, findings, and potential for future collaborative work. This year's keynote speakers will include Drs. Stacey Gruber, Samir Nehruz, and Kent Hutchinson. All programs sponsored by the consortium can be viewed online at mmjoutcomes.org. On Tuesday, Cureleaf Holdings reported sequentially flat sales for the Q1 with somewhat narrower cash flows, but sales were 20% higher year over year and management stuck by its forecast for 20% sales growth in 2022. Why? Maybe because in the past two weeks, Cureleaf opened three new Florida dispensaries in Pembroke Park, Inglewood, and Tampa Bay, with another announcement this week that a former Orlando bank branch will be converted into a dispensary complete with drive through 
Cureleaf has opened eight new locations in the state this year alone, bringing their total count to 48 Florida dispensaries. In other news, Planet 13 is quickly building their planned Florida dispensary network with the second location announced in the city of Port Ritchie, a rapidly prominent suburb in the growing Tampa-St. Petersburg-Clearwater region. Planet 13 says the new Port Ritchie location is on a busy retail corridor and on the way to popular waterfront destinations as well as downtown. In a statement, co-CEO Larry Scheffler revealed that, quote, this neighborhood location is the second of our initial six dispensaries targeted towards major Florida population centers with underserved local residents. We are rolling out this Florida expansion in line with our budget and timeline, end quote. Planet 13's mission is to build a recognizable global brand known for world-class dispensary operations and innovative cannabis products. In a separate statement, Planet 13 also announced plans to release its financial results for the first quarter on May 16th after the market closes by hosting a conference call at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time to discuss the first quarter financial results and provide investors with key business highlights. The call will be chaired by co-CEOs Bob Grosbeck and Larry Scheffler, as well as CFO Dennis Logan. That's a wrap for the We Talk News Florida Report. I'm Heather Allman from Cannabis Law Report. Have a nice week. In New York last weekend, a celebration of cannabis with the annual New York City Cannabis Parade. The event has been ongoing since 1973. However, if you happen to be in New York or New Jersey last weekend, you remember it was a total washout. But there were still some hearty souls on hand, including Senator Chuck Schumer. And just south of the Big Apple in New Jersey, adult sales there are booming. Here's Jill Goldsbury with our New Jersey report. Hey guys, I'm Jill in sunny New Jersey today with the New Jersey Cannabis Report for We Talk News. And here's what's happening in this week. Here's, what ha- here's what's happening this week in New Jersey cannabis. That's what I'm trying to sell you. So the town of Hackensack is considering allowing two cultivators to operate in town based on the Hackensack City Council, which is looking to amend a section of the city's zoning code, which will allow operations to begin with, um, which will allow operations to begin in the city's cannabis cultivation overlay zone with a class one license from the Cannabis Regulatory Commission. The ordinance will be considered for final passage on Tuesday, May 24th. And the goal here is to support two two cultivators that the city feels will really bring in a significant amount of tax revenue that will benefit the town and its residents, which makes a lot of sense. In other news, if you're looking to expunge your record or know someone who is, then you'll want to head down to the Community Expungement Clinic happening on Saturday, May 28th at the Wally Choice Community Center in Montclair, New Jersey. From 9.30 to 12.30, you'll have access to free legal services and one-on-one counsel from New Jersey lawyers who really know the business and have been in and around it. And on January 9th, some very exciting news happening for the New Jersey cannabis community. New Jersey Cannabis Insider will host the very first Cannabis Business Awards Gala. How exciting is that? And this will be a night to celebrate individuals and companies that have shaped the industry. It's a black tie affair that will happen at the Cataract Cataract Performing Arts Center. And it will be unlike anything New Jersey has seen before based on the reports. So I'm excited. I hope you're excited as well. And that is the report this week in New Jersey. I'm Jill in New Jersey for We Talk News. Have a great night.
Overseas in Europe, investment dollars are starting to flow and a majority of residents are in favor of full legalization. One country that seems to be well ahead of the cannabis curve is Germany. Our European correspondent, Stephen Arthur George, is back with his European report this week. I'm Stephen Arthur George from SAG Advisory Services in Lisbon, Portugal. This is the European Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Germany inches closer to adult use regulations. Just last week, the health minister announced that they are starting the process. Many insiders are saying that regulations could be in place and published by the end of this year. The finance minister also confirmed that the process has begun. Up in the UK, cannabis prescriptions are seeing some momentum. The Chiron Group reported a 240% increase in sales for quarter one, 2022, compared to the entire year of 2021. They are said to have one of the best-selling THC flowers in the market, and this is probably helping. With 60 plus million people in the UK, this is a market that everyone should keep their eye on. Down in Portugal, there's been another acquisition. Aconda announced a strategic acquisition of Halogen last week. Halogen has one of the only indoor cultivation and EU GMP facilities in Europe. It's likely we'll see some more acquisitions like this further in the year. That's the Euro European Cannabis Report. I'm Stephen Arthur George from SAG Advisory Services reporting for Weed Talk News. The state of Michigan is one of the most robust cannabis markets in the Midwest, but now there might be a legal precedent being set. A real estate company doing business in the cannabis sector has filed for bankruptcy protection. The question for the courts to decide is, how do you protect a company from bankruptcy protection with a federally illegal product? We'll be staying on the story as it unfolds, though, with the rest of the cannabis news from that state, here's Michigan Norble Executive Director Rick Thompson. Hello again. This is the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Let's begin. Well, all those 420 parties in April led to a huge 27% increase in sales of regulated cannabis products in April, said New Cannabis Ventures. The single month total, as reported by the CRA, was $195 million, which breaks down as $168 million in adult use and $27 million in medical. Sales in our holiday month crushed all previous sales records. Previous top month in sales was July of 2021 with about $170 million. Medical sales fell 17% last month as compared to March of this year, while adult use sales rose by 38.6% over the same increment. Medical flower and trim accounted for almost 50% of the market in April. In vape carts, one quarter of the medical market. However, almost 56% of the huge adult use market sales were flower and trim, while carts accounted for only 20% of the market. The CRA reports the average price of a pound of cannabis at historic lows, reaching $21.28. This continues an overall downward price trend, but stands in contrast with Mark's unexpected spike in per pound pricing. 
Now, the Consumer Connection Program we have with the Cannabis Regulatory Agency has yielded some pretty good results lately. We helped to stop conversion oil from coming to Michigan, pushed for a hearing on labeling for remediated products, and pushed hard for the CRA to publish all of the social equity plans. Now, these plans are corporate pledges of action toward community benefit and are required by law for all adult-use cannabis business licensees. Now, the regulatory agency has come up with a program to almost do that, the tiered reward system for social equity within the state's licensed adult-use cannabis program. Now, this was created as a result of the suggestions from the Cannabis Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Workgroup. The Social Equity All-Star Program defines three tiers of recognition to licensees who meet the qualifying criteria of the program by publishing social equity plans, corporate spend plans, and community reinvestment plans. The bronze level is just publish your social equity plan. The silver level is publish your social equity plan and your corporate equity spend plan too, and encourage licensees to use diverse suppliers. The gold level is defined by publishing the plans, publishing a spend plan, and publishing the community reinvestment plan. The gold level involves more disclosure about volunteer time and donation percentages going toward racial and ethnic minorities, women, veterans, Native American tribes, LGBTQ, people with disabilities, and returning citizens. Now, this is a voluntary program, and not all licensees will choose to participate because corporations like to claim grand deeds without any evidence of accomplishment, but the CRA is willing to encourage companies to participate in the All-Star program by offering various promotions and recognition events throughout the year. Well, it took Detroit about one month for their new adult use cannabis business ordinance to be challenged in court, and that's longer than most thought it would take. This is the second time the city's tried to pass ordinance law allowing cannabis businesses. A federal court ruled the previous ordinances were probably unconstitutional by giving preferential treatment in licensing to certain groups of Detroiters. Now, there are 75 businesses already licensed to sell medical cannabis in Detroit. The new ordinance would allow around 100 adult-use cannabis retailers in the city, and licensing could begin this summer, but only for new social equity applicants. Those 75 existing medical marijuana retailers would be shut out of the adult use market by 2027, according to the new lawsuit filed by Detroit medical dispensary chain House of Dank. City leaders have very publicly said they want a cannabis industry in Detroit, which looks like the city residents and is made up of city residents. And the vast majority of current medical marijuana dispensary owners do not look or live like Detroiters. The lawsuit only freezes the limited cannabis retail licensing process though, because the ordinance has severability, the unlimited licensing of cultivation, testing, transport, and processing operations can continue charging forward. Well, Arts, Beats, and Eats is a huge festival in the Metro Detroit community of Royal Oak, which draws 400,000 people each year. This year, the promoter promised to add a cannabis sales and consumption area, but on Monday, the city council said no. But what it really said was, not yet. It was a narrowly decided question, losing on a vote of four to three. One council person said, maybe next year. Another said, it's just not the right time. The police chief's testimony was key to the proposed cannabis area's defeat, as he'd researched cannabis events and authorized by the state, learning none of the previous events allowed alcohol sales, which the arts event does in a very big way, and that all the events held previously were considerably smaller than the four-day 400,000 attendees they expected. 
However, he did say that they'd be monitoring two large 420-friendly music festivals happening in northern Michigan this year, which might ease his concerns about sales in large crowds. The Detroit News cites events in Manistee, which just approved Smoke on the Water Fest last month, and the Hoxieville Music Fest in Wellston. Now, big ups to our state and all the progress being made here. Here's hoping that the arts, beats, and eats will opt into cannabis next year. And if they do, that they change the event's name to Arts, Beats, Eats, and Peace. And that's it for the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson for Weed Talk News. There are well over 180,000 medical cannabis patients in the state of Missouri, and the movement to introduce adult use is gaining momentum as well. Right in the middle of that movement is We Talk News correspondent Brandon Jones. Here's the Missouri Report this week. Hey everybody, it's Brandon Jones again from Distribution Maven with the Missouri Cannabis Report for We Talk News. And yes, it's exciting. We got two and a half times the needed signatures to get Legal Mo 22 put on the ballot for November of this year. They are obviously going to go through and check all of the signatures and make sure that they're valid, but we're hoping with two and a half times what we need that it'll make it on the ballot here in November. A couple key points to Legal Mo 22, it will expunge all criminals that are there for non-cannabis, uh, for non-violent uh, cannabis crimes will be able to be released. Another big thing is you'll be able to grow your own six plants and be able to actually sell those at your own will. So you can sell on, you know, just your own, your own personal grow to whoever you would like and not have to worry about any sort of, you know, feedback or, or some any kickback coming back from the police. So that's a couple of big things that are, you know, on the ballot here for November. Another thing I want to talk about is actually how the taxes break down. I don't know how many people have actually gotten a receipt from a dispenser and it actually had the full tax breakdown of where the money is going. I was really excited to see that today. I went to one of my favorite dispensaries here in downtown Kansas City, Field State. They're really big on education. But what I really wanted to point out is where the taxes are going to and that it actually breaks it down. So, you know, neighboring states like Kansas can pay attention to where this money is going and see how the money can actually help them. So 4% of the actual uh, for total goes to uh, the sales tax. 1% goes to the actual street rail in Kansas City. I don't know if you have many people have been able to ride the street rail. It's a pretty cool little thing you can do in Kansas City. You got 4.225 for the actual state sales tax itself. And then a couple other cool things is the Jackson County Zoological District. You get 0.13% to actually help with the zoo project. Uh, Kansas City sales. So the city of Kansas City gets a sales tax of 3.25 and Jackson County actually gets a sales tax of 1.25. So you can see there's a lot of people that are getting a little bit of benefit here from all of the money that's bringing in here to help people actually get the medicine they need. So neighboring states, please pay attention. This can help not only the people that need to get the medicine, but actually can help the economy as well too. So please pay attention. Every state should be doing this, breaking down where the actual money goes to. Good ups to Missouri. Thanks again, I'm Brandon Jones from Missouri Cannabis Report. Have a great week, guys. As more and more states move toward decriminalization and legalization of cannabis, putting a cap on the percentage of THC in products is becoming a hot topic for debate. Ever since Vermont became the second state to adopt legalization of adult use through a legislative initiative, caps on the intoxicating chemical THC in the cannabis plant have been debated. And with the latest on what is going on in Vermont, here's Jesse Lynn Dolan with the Vermont Report. I'm Jesse Lynn Dolan from Nurse Grown Organics and Vermont Cannabis Nurses, and this is the We Talk News Vermont Report. The Vermont legislator just passed a bill which unfortunately retains a 60% THC cap on solid concentrates. 
This has been a contentious issue as many Vermonters advocated last year for the current yet unfortunate laws to move forward with high hopes to improve them in this year's legislative session, while grassroots advocates warned of such egregious concerns. With relentless volunteer advocacy and testimony, Vermont Growers Association and Vermont Coalition for Equity in Cannabis gallantly led this year's efforts and can now only hope that those who supported the unfortunate original cannabis laws will collaboratively and actively advocate next session. The current statutes as written will put newly licensed cannabis producers at an enormous disadvantage against the corporate conglomerate MSOs that make up the medical dispensaries, as well as continuing to encourage the legacy market and legal retailers in neighboring states where those caps don't exist. Zen Barn Farms, one of many who advocated last year for the passing of the current and nonsensical legislation, will be hosting a showcase summer fundraiser on June 11th in Waterbury for Vermont Normal to celebrate prohibition and cap off five weeks of fundraising for Vermont Normal's legislative efforts. The town of Wilmington, which originally voted in favor of retail on town meeting day in March, approved it yet again in an unnecessary revote due to a successful petition driven by residents concerned about how retail cannabis sales could affect the downtown culture, children's safety, and impaired driving. Congratulations to Wilmington residents for now twice having voted in favor. That's the Vermont Report for Weed Talk News. I'm Vermont's cannabis nurse, Jessie Lynn Dolan. Dosing limits in beverages continues to be an issue in Washington state, and the Talking Hedges' Josh Kincaid explains there is no solution in sight in our Washington State Report. I'm Josh Kincaid from the Talking Hedge with the Washington State Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Looking back on waste reduction for infused beverages, the Cannabis Alliance petitioned the Liquor and Cannabis Board, or LCB, to rule change recommendations that once adopted significantly reduce the packaging waste from the cannabis industry. The Cannabis Alliance petitioned the LCB to remove the dosing cap rule from infused beverages back in 2019. And in January that following year, the LCB adopted those changes based on the recommendations. Beverages have been a fast growing sector in the cannabis industry and those volume numbers are only increasing, which is why it was imperative to significantly reduce the overwhelming amount of waste generated from our industry, waste that was a direct result of complying with state regulations. The rule change prevented 1.5 million dosing caps from going into the landfill in just the first year alone, and almost 4 million dosing caps from our landfills in the last 12 months. Next week, you guys are going to find out more about how Washington State reduced plastic poly bag waste by 50%. But with that, we're going to have to roll up this Washington State Cannabis Report. I'm Josh Kincaid from the Talking Hedge reporting for Weed Talk News. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. In Massachusetts, Stephen Hoffman has resigned early from his chairman position of the Cannabis Control Commission. And State Treasurer Deborah Goldberg announced who would be the new chair, and she didn't have to look far. The Deputy Treasurer of the Bay State, Sarah Kim, will take over leadership of the regulatory board for cannabis in the state. And with more on that announcement, here's Ron Marshallsee with the Bay State Cannabis Report. I'm Ron Marshallsee for Weed Talk News. This is the Massachusetts Cannabis Report. Last week, we found out CCC Chairman Steve Hoffman had resigned effective April 25th, and while Treasurer Deb Goldberg interviews candidates to take over for the former chair, 
Deputy Treasurer Sarah Kim will take the reins of the Cannabis Control Commission. Kim was part of the effort to implement the 2016 law that legalized marijuana in Massachusetts as general counsel to the Treasury. There is a new dispensary along Route 9 in Framingham, Uptop. Matt Tabor, who helps operate the brand, is trying to make Uptop stand out, and he was quoted as saying, We want to be the neighborhood cannabis retailer. We don't want to feel overwhelming when our medical patients walk in. Being medical only, you need to be able to have conversations with customers, be able to consult with them, and explain the benefits. Tabor also talked about how taking their time with customer service is a critical component to Uptop's planned success, citing how other dispensaries have a tendency to focus solely on getting customers in and out as quickly as possible. And finally, KindTap Technologies, a cannabis industry-focused payment solution, will announce a payments partnership with KindRun, a cashless cannabis home delivery platform. KindRun creates a streamlined shopping experience for Massachusetts adult-use consumers. Customers can now pay for their favorite products with KindTap at checkout, enjoying a completely cashless experience. Products are delivered at a scheduled time and only require a photo ID and signature for verification. That's this week's Massachusetts Cannabis Report. For Weed Talk News, I'm Ron Marshallsee. Bay State Cannabis Report is supported by Holyoke Cannabis, Holyoke's finest cannabis recreational experience. In the Keystone State of Pennsylvania, the debate continues on how to regulate the laws regarding operating a motor vehicle under the influence of cannabis. Just the classification of the plant continues to be debated as well. Here's our Pennsylvania reporter, Claudia Post, with her unique look at what's hot and not in that state. I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express, and I'm here in the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, reporting for We Talk News. So the Pennsylvania Supreme Superior Court, rather, has rejected an argument about driving under the influence of marijuana. The, there was an argument that said it is not a Schedule One controlled substance. Well, I'm reading this article and I'm thinking to myself, well, clearly it is a controlled substance. So I, I didn't understand. Maybe it's a hotshot lawyer that wanted some press, I'm not sure, but a poor man named Franklin Dabney Jr was found guilty of driving under the influence, careless driving, beating, and was sentenced to six months probation with 10 days on house arrest and handed down a hefty fine. So why does this case matter? The opinion is precedential, meaning that it will have a binding effect on other cases in Pennsylvania on all future cases. Patients cannot legally drive with any detectable amount of cannabis or its metabolites in their system. But after consuming marijuana, as we all know, it stays in your system for an inordinate amount of time. So how would we, how are we going to regulate this? What are the tests going to be? How do we think this through? Well, remember I told you before that I'm in Pennsylvania, so Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh with Pennsylvania in between. What can I tell you? Anyway, in Pennsylvania, only patients suffering from specific medical conditions can qualify for the state's medical cannabis program. 
Nearly a year ago, a magazine called Spotlight PA sought information on how many of those patients were approved for each qualifying condition. I guess they were doing some kind of research, as we'll find out, including how often physicians approve patients for the program to treat opioid use disorder. Well, there was a whole brouhaha with the Wolf administration, and they used kind of derogatory terms because they said it was unusual and controversial to endorse cannabis as a treatment for me, opioid use disorder. The Wolf administration says, this is confidential information. They are not going to release it, but the newsroom, the caveat here was the newsroom was just requesting aggregated data, wasn't asking for specific data. So Spotlight PA and the Department of Health will go before the judges on May 17th and will be live streamed by the Commonwealth Court. I will watch it and I will report back. I'm sure you've heard the news, recreational marijuana is now legal to buy in New Jersey. But here in Pennsylvania, some folks think they can just hop right over the bridge and buy marijuana and bring it back over here to Pennsylvania. Well, truth be told, you're not allowed to bring marijuana over state lines. That's, you know, interstate commerce. And it is illegal to do that. So just as when I was a pup, I used to go across the bridge to, for, to New Jersey to buy alcohol and pray that I wasn't caught going over the Ben Franklin Bridge. Folks will do the same thing now. They're going to have weed in their pocket. But you know, every generation has their uh, adventure. We'll see what happens, but stay tuned. Well, that's a wrap from Pennsylvania. I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express, and I'll be back next week to talk about what's hot and what's not in Pennsylvania. From We Talk News, have a fabulous week. The Delaware Senate just passed a bill that would legalize possession of up to one ounce of cannabis for adults 21 and older. This following years of advocacy and more recently neighboring states moving forward with legalization as well. The bill now heads to the governor's desk. And finally tonight, if you live in Thailand, you might want to check your mail. Soon, your county's health department will be distributing 1 million cannabis plants for use medicinally. So that's right, the government is going to share the love of the plant by sending a million of those little beauties to its citizens. But before you book tickets to visit relatives or friends in Thailand, keep in mind, this is for citizens of that nation only. If you are caught with cannabis in your possession, you could get 15 years in Thailand's jails. And that would be a real bummer. Well, that's it. For We Talk News this week, I'm Elena Pinto reporting for Pro Cannabis Media. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, the Canna Mom Show. 
And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canada podcasters right here on PodConnex and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.